Welcome to Resounding Verse, a podcast about poetry and song. This episode, like some others I've done in the past, deals with a German poem, so we'll hear the poem twice at the beginning, first in an English translation and then in the original German. The original German reading is done by my friend Harold Krebs, and Sharon Krebs helped me with the translation of the poem. Just once yet I would like to tell you, by Julius Sturm. Just once yet I would like to tell you how endlessly dear you are to me. How as long as my heart still beats, my soul, too, will never forget you. You need not reply with a single word, just look kindly into my eyes. Yes, with lowered eyelids, just stand before me, speechless and quiet. But I laid my hands prayerfully upon your beautiful head, so that God might send you the peace that you have stolen from me. Nur einmal möchte ich dir noch sagen, wie du unendlich lieb mir bist, wie dich, solang mein Herz wird schlagen, auch meine Seele nie vergisst. Kein Wörtlein solltest du erwidern, nur freundlich mir ins Auge sehen, ja, mit gesenkten Augenlidern nur stumm und schweigend vor mir stehen. Ich aber legte meine Hände dir betend auf das schöne Haupt, damit dir Gott den Frieden sende, den meiner Seele du geraubt. Julius Sturm, who lived from 1816 to 1896, is a relatively little-known poet. He wrote mainly religious poetry and served for a number of years as a pastor in what is now eastern Germany, near the border of the Czech Republic. However, a search for his name on a website called the LiederNet Archive, and this is a great website that includes texts and translations of thousands of poems, a search for his name on this site shows that he was, in fact, very popular among composers. The site lists over 400 poems by Sturm that have been set to music, mostly by composers from the second half of the 19th century. This particular poem alone was set to music by almost 30 different composers. The poem certainly has religious connotations. In the last stanza, the poetic speaker says a prayer while placing his hands on the head of his beloved. But it's a strange prayer. He prays for something for her, but he says it's something that she has taken from him. The last stanza reads like this. But I laid my hands prayerfully upon your beautiful head so that God might send you the peace that you have stolen from me. How are we supposed to read these lines? When I first encountered this poem, I tried different ways of reading them, and I couldn't quite figure out how to make sense of them. You could read them a little spitefully, the way you might say, have fun to someone who's off to a party that they haven't invited you to, for example, or something like, have a good life to someone who has broken up with you, so that God might send you the peace that you have stolen from me, with a little bit of an edge to it. You could, in other words, read these lines as though you're saying you wish something for someone, but you're not really meaning it. 
On the other hand, you could read them earnestly, as if the speaker of the poem truly does wish the beloved peace, really does say and mean this prayer for her, but can't quite say the same prayer for himself, because he is so saddened and beyond repair. Regardless of how we choose to read these lines, spitefully or earnestly or somewhere in between, the final line, that you have stolen from me, is jarring. Up to this point, the poem sounds like an expression of passion, longing, a desire for intimacy and connection, perhaps, but only in the very last line does it turn toward sharp pain. The final line sounds like one of those twists of the knife that one finds at the end of a poem by Heinrich Heine. Heine was another German poet about 20 years older than Sturm, and he was far more famous than Sturm. And no one did ironic twists quite like Heine. He's famous for this particular maneuver at the end of his poems. One of the best examples I can think of is a poem by Heine called Ihr Bild, or Her Image, which has been set to music by countless composers, including Franz Schubert and Clara Schumann and many others. In the first stanza of Heine's poem, the poetic speaker gazes at an image of a woman. In the second stanza, the image seems to come to life, smiling at him through glistening tears. And in the third stanza, and the final stanza, he tells us that he weeps, too, because he has lost his beloved. Sturm's rather pietistic poetry doesn't have the same cutting irony and wicked wit of Heine's, but this particular poem still has a sting at the end of it, and also an ambiguity. What has the beloved done to steal the poetic speaker's peace? Has she actually done something grievous, or has he only imagined that she's done something? Has he ever told her how precious she is to him? The first two lines of the poem say, just once, I would like to tell you how endlessly dear you are to me. And these words, just once, seem to suggest that he has never expressed these thoughts at all. They suggest that she doesn't even know what he feels because he hasn't said it out loud, because it remains unspoken. And in fact, everything in this poem is unspoken. In the second stanza, he tells her that she need not reply, but just look in his eyes and remain silent. This stanza strikes me a little bit as a, a kind of fantasy of feminine subservience. He longs to tell her something and have her listen passively, with her eyes cast down as if in submission. Now, maybe it's that he doesn't want her to speak because he doesn't want to hear what she has to say. He doesn't want to hear it confirmed out loud that she doesn't feel the same way he does. In any case, the fantasy remains a fantasy. The first two stanzas are cast in conditional tense. I would like to tell you. You shouldn't say a word. This is the realm of the imagination. Only in the final stanza do we move to a different realm, the realm of reality. The crucial word but, or aber in German, signaling a turn from that previous dream world. But I laid my hands prayerfully upon your beautiful head. Ich aber legte. Yet the reality is a past reality. The words are not, I will lay my hands, but I laid my hands. This is something that puzzled me about this poem, and in fact, I found a translation of the poem that translated it as, I will lay my hands, which makes more sense that he's looking ahead to the future, but in fact, it's past tense. A poet's choice of tense is always significant. It always indicates something. And here, I think the shift to past tense 
indicates the failure of the speaker to make his dream a reality. He's not making a decision in the moment to pray for his beloved. That's what it would be if he was saying, but I lay my hands on your head in present tense. Nor is he looking ahead to say what he will do, as though coming to some sort of realization. Ah, I will lay my hands prayerfully upon your head. Instead, he's looking back on something he already did and regretting it, regretting not being able to do something different. The power of Sturm's poem is that it captures a feeling we have all experienced, and that is knowing that we need to express our feelings to someone, but not being able to do so, and feeling ever more incapable every time we fail once more to just say it. So many feelings are expressed in this final stanza. There's pain, loss, a touch of bitterness, perhaps, and a palpable sense of failure. The gist of these final lines, the sense I get from them when I read them, is I wish that I could tell you what you mean to me, but I couldn't then, and I still can't now. Just Once Yet I Would Like to Tell You by Julius Sturm Just once yet I would like to tell you how endlessly dear you are to me, how as long as my heart still beats, my soul too will never forget you. You need not reply with a single word, just look kindly into my eyes. Yes, with lowered eyelids, just stand before me, speechless and quiet. But I laid my hands prayerfully upon your beautiful head, so that God might send you the peace that you have stolen from me. Nur einmal möchte ich dir noch sagen, wie du unendlich lieb mir bist, wie dich, solang mein Herz wird schlagen, auch meine Seele nie vergisst. Kein Wörtlein solltest du erwidern, nur freundlich mir ins Auge sehen, ja, mit gesenkten Augenlidern, nur stumm und schweigend vor mir stehen. Ich aber legte meine Hände dir betend auf das schöne Haupt, damit dir Gott den Frieden sende, den meiner Seele du geraubt. And here is a musical setting of Julius Sturm's poem by the 19th century German composer Marie von Kehler. The song is titled Letzter Wunsch, or Last Wish. Augenlidern, nur stumm und 
For people like me who are deeply obsessed with German art song and with women composers of German art song, Marie von Kehler is the furthest thing from a household name. I had never, in fact, heard of her until Sharon Krebs, who helped me with the translation of the Ulysses Sturm poem, sent me some scores that she had gotten from the Berlin State Library. Many scores, in fact. 16 opuses of songs, some containing as many as six songs each. And these weren't manuscripts, they were published editions that appeared from various German publishing houses in the last decades of the 19th century. And they were remarkably good songs, with piano parts that suggested this was someone who was a gifted keyboardist with a sophisticated handling of harmony and voice leading, and with sometimes surprising moments of dissonance and chromaticism, and above all, with a clear sense for poetic nuance. Kaler's songs were so good, in fact, that I decided to ask two friends to record them, the bass baritone Stefan Logas and the pianist Jocelyn Freeman. And the recording that you just heard is a recording by the two of them. I invited them to record four Kaler songs, this one and three others, and these were the first Kaler songs to ever be recorded. And then I featured them on my website, Art Song Augmented, which is a forum devoted to songs by underrepresented composers. When I started looking for information about Kaler, however, to put on the website, I couldn't find all that much. I learned that she was born in 1822 in a town called Nyssa, spelled N-Y-S-A, which was at that time a part of Prussia and is now a city in southwestern Poland. I learned that she died in 1882 in northwestern Germany. I learned that she served as a personal assistant to Princess Frederica of Lippe, and Lippe, for history buffs, was a historical state located about 100 miles from the city of Hanover. She was basically a lady-in-waiting to the princess. And finally, I learned from one letter that she evidently knew Johannes Brahms, who, between 1857 and 59, served as a pianist, chamber musician, and conductor of the choir at the castle. But so much else about Marie von Kehler is unknown— what her upbringing was like, where she learned to compose and from whom, what prompted her to write all of these songs, and why they weren't published until a decade after she died. 
And Marie von Kähler is hardly alone. There are literally hundreds of composers from this time period who wrote striking and powerful songs that are barely known today, but that formed an important part of the musical culture of their time. And in many cases, as with Kaler, we know less about the composers than we do about their music. We have more music by them, in other words, than we do documentary information about them. But I think this gives us even more reason to pay attention to what they wrote. We might think, well, we don't know much about who Marie von Kaler was, and we have about 80 songs. Because we don't know about her, we might as well disregard the music that she composed. But in many ways, Her music, as with so many other composers from this time period, is her legacy. A song like Kaler's Last Wish offers a glimpse at a creative mind in action. It gives us a sense for who this composer was and how she thought. What first drew me to this song was the sheer beauty of its piano accompaniment. Seeing that this poem is about a prayer, it's only fitting that Kaler would set it so that at times it sounds almost like a hymn. This is especially true at the end of the song, in her setting of the last stanza, which begins again, But I laid my hands prayerfully upon your beautiful head, with that crucial line that signals a turn to past tense and a turn toward the pain that the poetic speaker is experiencing. The harmonies at this part of the song are low and thick, and they move slowly. You'll hear rich E-flat major chords and only a couple touches of chromaticism and a melody that rises slowly as if mimicking the upward motion of his hands as he places them gently upon his beloved head. Ich aber legte meine Hände dir bietend auf das schöne Haupt, damit So, based on the tone of the music here, Kaler has clearly chosen to read these lines as a true heartfelt prayer, not as a bitter, passive-aggressive one. Notice how the melody of the next phrase mirrors the gradual ascent from before. Instead of rising, it falls gently as the piano part descends with it. The score marking here says mit Ausdruck, or with expression, and the expression I hear is a kind of earnest tenderness. Yet for all this earnest tenderness, there's a turn towards something more dissonant, more pained at the end of the phrase. And you just heard it on the word geraubt, which means stolen. To show you what I mean, I'm going to recompose the music so that it ends on a clear major chord on this word, and then play what Kaler actually does, and you'll hear the little sting in the chordal dissonance. So here's what Kaler might have done. Damit dir Gott den Frieden sende, den meiner Seele du geraubt. And here's what she actually does. Den meiner Seele du geraubt. 
she places the main syllable of the word geraubt, or stolen, on a pungently dissonant, fully diminished seventh chord. This is the chord that you'll often hear in the soundtrack to a silent movie when someone is lying on a railroad track, and it has a real bite to it. Having veered into this painful dissonance, Kayla repeats the last two lines again, so that God might send you the peace that you have stolen from me, and lands on another fully diminished seventh chord. And then we hear these final lines another time, a third time, now leading to a close in the home key, but not without one final sting of dissonance on the word du or you. You'll hear this. A little reminder of who has left the speaker of the poem feeling heartbroken and bereft. If this slight dissonance on the word do is a reminder of the pain that has preceded it, there's a preview of that pain at the beginning of the song. And one of the wonders of Kaler's song is that she manages to write something that sounds outwardly peaceful, but inwardly troubled. Here is Kaler's setting of the opening stanza of the poem. And the words are, Just once yet I would like to tell you how endlessly dear you are to me. How as long as my heart still beats, my soul too will never forget you. And I want you to listen for three things. Listen for a slight dissonance on the word sagen, which is to tell you that all-important word, the thing that he wishes he could do but can't. Also, listen for an even more striking dissonance on the word bist, which is how dear you are to me. And then finally, notice how this passage moves from a major key toward a minor key. Nur einmal möchte ich dir noch sagen, wie du unendlich lieb mir bist, wie dich so lang mein Herz wird schlagen, auch meine Seele nie vergisst. The text here simply says, my soul too will never forget you, which another composer could set in a lush major mode context. But Kaler's setting tells us something more. It tells us that there's trouble afoot and that although he will never forget her, she will likely forget him. This is a perfect example of a song that doesn't just provide an emotional backdrop to a text, reflecting what the text is giving us, but reads it in a particular way that provides hidden insights that we might not get on a reading of the poem alone. 
And this is one among innumerable reasons why the songs of Marie von Kaler deserve to be heard more widely. And here, once more, is Marie von Kaler's setting of Julia Sturm's poem. Many thanks to Stefan Logas and Jocelyn Freeman for their beautiful performance of this song. And if you'd like to hear more songs by Marie von Kaler performed by these two musicians, go to artsongaugmented.org. Thanks also to Harold Krebs for his lovely reading of the poem and to Sharon Krebs for her beautiful translation of it. To listen and subscribe to the podcast, go to resoundingverse.buzzsprout.com. Resounding Verse is produced by me, Steve Rogers. Thank you for listening. <laughs>